This is CNT Talk. Every week, two friends debate the issues of the ages as we agree to disagree. It's never politically correct, but it's always entertaining. Join us tonight so you can sound knowledgeable at work tomorrow. We're smacking you upside the head with a hammer of truth. Welcome to the show. Hello, hello, and Tony, people can't see this video, but I just saw you stretching like you're getting ready for a big fight. Like you're No, it's just because I have a crick in my neck. Shh, don't tell people that. It's it's a big fight. You're ready to fight. I can tell. No, they always complain that we never fight. Straight, so. Straightforward transmitter. That's who you are tonight. Straightforward transmitter. So <laughs> this week, I'm not sure. Again, we're, I wanted to start with a little bit of uh, Supreme Court something. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. Can you help me with the Supreme Court? Am I missing... What the heck is there there right now? Because I don't get it. I'm missing. Well, what what don't you get? By the way, I guess we should say as an advance warning that last time we recorded, apparently there was all sorts of echo with me. We can't hear that happening now, so we're assuming that it is not going to happen. But we may be dismayed to find out that it has happened again. <laughs> we hope not. We hope, we hope not. not. Case, but, so uh, we we're sort of we're aware that it was a problem last week. Um, hopefully, it's not a problem this week. If it is, blame Chad, and uh, <laughs> he will have yes. to do some other technological magic to fix it. Yeah, well, we've been we've been given the offer of a sound guy. We'll see, <laughs> see if we have to take him up on that. Yeah, we might need to. Yeah. Well, so you, your question: What do you want to know about the Supreme Court? So, Eastern Oklahoma apparently is under tribal rule. So that just came out today, and, and that doesn't sound like maybe it's a big deal, but it's in relation to a gentleman who is a convicted rapist and said that he was convicted in eastern Oklahoma where he said, well, they don't actually have the authority because it's still a tribal reservation. And today the Supreme Court agreed with him on a 5-4 to four decision, which means about 1,700 convicted felons may be set free because of this ruling. I'm confused, uh, and I don't know where to side on this because I feel like Roberts was against it, so I feel like I should be for it. So help me understand. Well, okay, so the, I, didn't, I actually didn't have a chance to look at that ruling yet. Uh, so I would have to take a look at what the analysis was and I don't even really want to want to speculate. I mean, it it, obviously there's probably some issue with sovereignty there. And so rather than me guessing, I I will have to parse that opinion and we'll talk about it uh, next week because if it's an opinion that basically says, uh, there is a separate sovereignty that's at play, and therefore, whether we like it or not, we simply can't intervene. I, I just don't know. I'll have to see the analysis and the breakdown of how the votes went. Okay. Uh, the Supreme Court also kind of ruled in favor of Trump's tax returns, but not really. And it made me think a little bit more about what's going on here. And this is in relation to. <laughs> New York City, uh, Cyrus Vance is the attorney, uh, but it, it's trying to get Trump's tax records because they claim they want to maybe see if we should possibly change how 
people with lots of money give stuff to other people with lots of money. And it's really, they said they're just going to follow this trail wherever it goes. So the Supreme Court said he could keep his tax records for now, but it maybe that won't be the future. Do you care about his tax records at all? I don't really care about his tax records. Uh, I'm not really sure. Well, I know why Trump is stonewalling sure. because because he knows that it doesn't matter what he does, whether he whether those tax records are clean as a whistle or not. They're simply going to be the narrative will be that there's something wrong with them that demonstrates that he's uh, in the back pocket of the Russians. Well, whatever lie they're going to concoct about his tax records. So I don't really view this as 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 a victory for Trump because what the ruling basically said was. Uh, the DA of New York is entitled to have them as part of this ongoing investigation. Well, not entitled to have them, but that that the presidential immunity does not bar their production. Now, you're correct. The scope of what they're entitled to get is still going to be subject to ongoing litigation. But it, it doesn't – what the court ruled is you can invoke presidential immunity against the DA to preclude that production. They, they then also ruled, however, that the House Democrats – uh, are not entitled uh, to get them. Although here's the thing. Uh, it, it's sort of like the fungibility issue. Yeah. That stuff will be leaked within 24 milliseconds whenever it's actually released to the DA. So in effect, the House Democrats, if those tax returns are to be produced in litigation, are going to be produced to everybody. So that, that that's, in my view, completely irrelevant, that portion of the opinion. Okay. They're going to be out because they will be leaked. Whether or not it's even permissible to leak them, they will be leaked that's the current strategy. Okay. Okay. Uh, in other news, uh, Don Lemon, I don't know if you saw this, Don Lemon was interviewing Chris Cuomo. Not sure why, but uh, did you see he, he solved racism in America? Don Lemon was, did? He, he's got a solution. He had an epiphany? He had an epiphany. And I, I have to agree with the commentator on PJ Media. This has to be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. He believes, oh, that's a, that's a pretty high bar. Well, so it's and and by the way, t- he's broadcasting tomorrow as well. Yeah. Uh, so that that's an ever ever evolving standard. <laughs> well, he's talking to Chris Cuomo, so it's not the brain trust here. But he says the way to cure racism in America is to put Barack Obama's face on Mount Rushmore. That, yeah, well, listen, if Aunt Jemima it. coming off the syrup bottle didn't do it, surely an Uncle Ben didn't do it, abolishing Uncle Ben, then then perhaps the, the answer is, uh, you know, Barack on Mount Rushmore. That would be fantastic. Well, Chris Cuomo agreed with me. He said, yeah, yeah, that, that sounds like a good idea. What? So is, wait, is Don Lemon's proposal that uh, someone be else be removed? He doesn't say that. He just says the people up there represent our country and our past and – Barack Obama should be up there because why? Oh, because because he's African American. That's why. But that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That you put him up there because he's not because of his accomplishments or because. See, I actually, I, I actually think that that in terms of the um, the the dumbometer that that doesn't even rate with some of the things that Don Lemon has said. That actually represents one of his one of his more coherent ideas. <laughs> When that's one of your coherent ideas, you've got quite an issue. So let's move on again. Deshaun Jackson. Um, apparently, this is like rapid fire. I like this. I, well, apparently Deshaun Jackson c- can make up a fake quote about Hitler and there's crickets. 
Drew B says you should kneel for the flag, and he gets castigated by his teammates and and everybody around him as an uh, an idiot. What am I missing? What what am I missing with Deshaun Jackson? Because oh, okay. you're not you're not missing anything. Okay, so I mean, okay. this is a series of rhetorical questions that we're doing here, right? Um, you understand? We we now know we all understand how the game works. Deshaun Jackson can come out and say blatantly anti-Semitic things, including, as you said, referencing a fake quote from Hitler. Uh, there will not be any outrage from the usual usual precincts, even though Drew Brees saying something that is completely, well, should be completely uncontroversial in a sane world, but we are no longer living in a sane world. He is He's viciously attacked forced to issue a Soviet style apology. His own teammates are throwing him under the bus. Right. Yeah. And then Deshaun Jackson, as you said, the, the silence is deafening. Uh, I mean, there's been some commentary about it on, you know, like ESPN. I saw Michael Wilbon was talking about it a little bit. That's fair enough. But the interesting thing is the reaction from players in the league, other athletes, uh, his team. Now, of course, you know, the Eagles did come out and they issued this statement that this is awful. Of course, because <laughs> both Jeffrey Lurie and uh, who's the GM? Uh, it's in Howie uh, Rosen. Yeah. Uh, they're both they're both Jewish. So that's kind of awkward. <laughs> but there's there's clearly, as with almost everything these days, a double standard. Sure. Um, you know, you can you can portray yourself as this social justice warrior, woke black lives matter activist. And that's all, that's all fantastic. But if you then fire off from the hip, the most um, just incredibly, uh, you know, brazen slurs of Jews, uh, there's really not much to be said about that other than nothing to see here. Let's kind of move along. And then you have Steven Jackson, no relation, uh, (laughs) doubling down and supporting those comments with even more Ignorance. I mean, we've Chad, we've talked about this. That <laughs> the one of the the sort of open secrets among right now people on the left, not all of them, but in terms of the leadership of the Democratic Party, and we can go down the list of individuals, including Keith Ellison and Ilhan Omar, the whole squad, that anti-Semitism is really not something that they're willing to confront. Uh, the entire uh, Israel divestment movement uh, that is. I don't care what their excuse is, an anti-Semitic movement when you're essentially taking the position that the state of Israel should be destroyed. That's exactly what the goal of that is. They can lie all they want about it, but that's what they're attempting to do. When you have people who are apologists for Hamas, when you have people that are making statements about Israel should be swept into the sea, all of this, this is all tolerated, wink, wink, and then actively promoted among the left in this country. And of course, the pushback is going to be, well, actually, Tony, you know, there's a lot of white supremacists that believe that absolutely you're correct. The fringe right-wing groups have now melded with the mainstream of the Democratic Party on thinking that anti-Semitism is basically okay. Well, and I think that's where I'm confused because as we rapid fire at the next story, two people were charged with a hate crime after allegedly defacing a Black Lives mural in California. A hate crime. Yeah. Well, that, again, in, in, in the Lewis Carroll novel that we are existing in right now, that makes perfect sense, particularly in California. Uh, there's no hate crimes involved in 
rioting and assaulting people and any of what went on, all this insanity for the last couple of weeks. But you touch a mural of the the sainted BLM movement and yeah, you're going to be prosecuted. The same way that if you're a cop in Atlanta who responds to a multiple felon who's impaired and gets in a violent confrontation and steals your taser and fires it at you and you you fire back, you're going to be charged with uh, felony murder to the point where you could be given the electric chair. This is now this is now the world in which we live, the upside down existence that we find ourselves in. Uh, next up on the docket of crazy, uh, Senator Kelly Loeffler, who owns a WNBA or partial owner of a WNBA team, the, the Atlanta Dream, has suggested that they not put Black Lives Matter on the court and have Uh-oh. American flags. And shockingly, the you WNBA wants her to remove from ownership once her the players' union, once her gone, should have been gone. Can't believe she says such hateful things. Um, okay. Uh, that's not really interesting. I, again, nobody's watching, so I'm not really sure why you're trying. This is actual people watching you. I think that's a good thing for, for you guys. What do you think? That, well, what I think, she's what gonna be gone. I think this is, this is standard operating procedure. Now this is what happens. In fact, you don't even need to say anything. The new standard is if you fail to read from the hostage letter uh, in a way that we deem appropriate, uh, meaning please recite the, the tenets that we provide you with, uh, then you will also be canceled. So, I mean, we're, we've moved beyond tolerance uh, to some Orwellian existence where you will be made to take a position and your position had better be our position. Right. And, oh, by the way, and your position had better be um, effusive and joyous enough that you you meet to our satisfaction the level of ecstasy that we require of you or you will also be canceled. It does feel like if you don't agree with my opinion, then it really doesn't matter what your opinion is. And I've said this before, and I think it still applies. I feel like progressives are only interested in an open and honest opinion when it's theirs. Uh, They are not open and honest. They are not interested in anybody's opinion that isn't theirs. Uh, And if you disagree with them, then frankly, uh, your opinion is wrong, and we have have the uh, obligation to cancel you. Well, no, but make sure that I want to be clear. The, the, it has always been the case that for the you know the many totalitarians among us, uh, the you know who promote this sort of safetyism, right? Your your opinion that disagrees with mine is actually violent to me, and it harms me, and therefore you have to stop saying things that make me seek out therapy puppies. No, we have now moved into a new era where you will be, it's not about just, they don't like you to disagree and demand that you not disagree. They demand that you recite from the scriptures as they instruct you. In other words, you are now required to affirmatively approve of their message, of their ideology, of their worldview. So we've, we've moved from a situation where disagreement, like in other words, you can't even be silent anymore. If you just remain Switzerland and don't open your mouth, it used to be you could escape the eye of Sauron, right? Right. Now it's not enough for you to remain silent. You must 
step forward and recite the Pledge of Allegiance to whatever the current crusade is. And if you fail to do so in the required fashion, you will also be canceled. So we've, we're, we're elevating the level of sort of, uh, again, Soviet-style recitation of party doctrine to a new level here. Moving to the left coast uh, a little bit further, uh, Oregon school districts say white people should vote Democrat to be less racist. Shockingly, they may have broken the law, uh, but they, they said uh, methods they mentioned easy to follow chart include opposing President Trump and to vote for and raise money for Democrats and progressive candidates of color. That's the this is a organization. Well, school districts in the state of Oregon who think they deserve funding for their stupidity. Can you imagine telling people to vote for one one way or another? Well, not only can I imagine, again, this is also the new normal. In fact, it's it's interesting because I don't know if you've seen uh there was there was sort of a a mini controversy at Marquette. Yeah, I was uh, with about this that. incoming girl who's a freshman there and apparently what happened is she had been accepted uh, by the school, she had been uh, essentially given a roommate and whatever, a dorm, everything was set for her to attend. But this girl is a fairly outspoken Trump supporter on social media. Mm-hmm. And some of her posts or whatever you call them on TikTok yep. were, were seized upon by the, uh, you know, the mob. And she was then contacted by members of the university, deans of admission to answer for herself. <laughs> and it was at least suggested that her status as a student uh, was in question because of her wrong think. Uh-huh. And so when you, th- these stories are all one and the same. Well, they, they, actually Marquette came out today and said that was erroneous. They never threatened her uh, acceptance. Everything's been reported is incorrect. Uh, but she was being hateful, transphobic. And you know, the, just basically painting her as a bad seed that they really had an obligation to look at closely, but people are only accepted for their grades and their involvement. And, you know, they're just trying to defend what they do and they never threatened to, to not let her come. But why right. Want there to, was, that was their, uh, Weasley way of not, it's, it was completely non-responsive because she sure. never claimed that they rescinded her, uh, her application and told her she couldn't be a student. What she said was she was told that that was being reviewed. And so Marquette's non-denial denial denial was, well, we never canceled her as a student. Well, nobody accused you of doing that. (laughs) And and then again, they, they then went on with the usual spiel about phobic this and ism that without ever providing a single instance of what they were talking about because it apparently doesn't exist because i can assure you if there was anything that they could have used as fodder to justify this i mean they probably had a team of bias response uh you know members combing through her social media history to find anything that they could use and there's apparently nothing there it's simply she is an open uh and transparent trump supporter that alone in our current environment is enough to get you not admitted to a college. Fair enough. Um, so Hamilton, you know, the musical that I've never seen, but certain people we know seem to be enamored with. Apparently it's 
being trying to cancel that too. Uh, it, it's seen as obscene and celebrating, I guess, racist uh, slaveholders, even though all the cast members are black. Uh, okay, so it used to be the darling. Now in today's culture, it's awful. Your thoughts? Well, my, my thoughts are that the the people on the left who thought that the mob was not going to come for them, it's uh, <laughs> they don't discriminate. No. Uh, so they actually do discriminate, but in the way that they uh, claim is wrong. But no, you're, it's not going to save you because you're a fellow traveler. Uh, yeah. they, they want all the things. All the things must go, as well, they say. Speaking of all, all the things. All the bad men must be scrubbed from history, even if – uh, if you remember, the cast of Hamilton was the one that openly lectured Mike Pence yes. when he attended yes. uh, on basically how horrible his boss was and how they were standing in the way of the right side of they were on the wrong side of history, et cetera, et cetera. So these people are exquisitely progressive, but that's again, it's not enough. The Jacobins are constantly purifying the strain. Yes, they are. Uh, speaking of canceling. Uh, Columbus, Ohio took down the statue of Christopher Columbus for which they're named. Um, not sure what they call themselves now. Flavortown. Flavortown. Okay. Well, that's, I'm not, I'm not making that up. That's actually one of the serious proposals. Flavortown. Which would actually would be apt. I mean, that, that would be perfect. (laughs) Flavortown. Okay. Uh, the university of, uh, Ohio state in Flavortown, Ohio. I can see it. It just rolls off the tongue. Um, Patrick Mahomes gets a buttload of money, uh, $503 million or 477 guaranteed. I guess they couldn't guarantee it all. Uh, is anybody worth $50 million a year? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I really haven't been um, – I mean, I saw that headline and I saw the basic terms of the deal – this is sort of like a baseball contract in the NFL. Yeah. I don't I don't understand the thinking of any team, particularly again, the the average career length in the NFL is somewhere around two seasons, maybe two and a half. And so the idea that you're going to commit yourself to that amount of guaranteed money over a decade to a quarterback who literally his career could be ended the first game of this season. You hope not. The right. guy's a right. transcendent talent. It, it almost seems to me like an unforced error. Why would you why would you do that? I mean, I understand the organization is trying to show they're loyal to their guy, they want to lock him up, but you don't need to give him a decade's worth of guaranteed money. Well, I mean, I just that seems now again, I haven't parsed all the terms of this. Is there any escape clause? for the organization or is this truly guaranteed that if he blows his knee out tomorrow, they pay him 477 million like Bobby Bonilla on, you know, on steroids plus. Uh, Ironically, Bobby was probably on steroids, but I I don't know if there's an escape clause to that. Um, But I hear guaranteed. I think guaranteed. And I, that is an insane amount guarantee for any player i'll have to take a look i will dig into that this week and see if there's some fine print that that gives them an out because i would be astonished i'm sure the rest of the owners and the rest of the gms in the league 
are looking at this and are appalled. The same way that baseball owners and GMs are appalled anytime Scott Boris gets, yes. you know, Albert Pujols, uh, you know, whatever he got, four hundred million until he's seventy-four years old. But again, that's these are the things that we see typically in baseball. Right. Right. In the NFL, that type of deal is bonkers to me unless there is an out there if there's i there may be an out there may be something but again it wouldn't be guaranteed then would it or it's prorated over 50 years you know if he blows his knee out and it's going to take us 50 years to pay my concern and we had this discussion a long time ago is anybody worth this and we were talking about other Dak prescott and others how do you how do you put a team around that what's the salary cap 172 like that yeah well i mean they're i'm sure that they did their due diligence on uh, as best as they could on, on cap hits because the way the nfl works is you know you can you can push those hits into the future depending on how you structure the guaranteed money etc i'm not a capologist but there's ways to do that however your point is well taken which is you know, you now have the system where you get a guy on a rookie contract. This is the this is how you build supposedly a Super Bowl contender, right? You find first step number one, right? Find Hall of Fame caliber franchise quarterback. Not so easy. The, the Chiefs, you know, hit the lottery with Patrick Mahomes. But even when it's not Patrick Mahomes, take somebody like Dak Prescott. You have them on a locked in low salary for the first five years. And so you, you build around them as quickly as you can, because you only have to pay them some completely uh, deflated value. Right. Right. And then you try to win in that window. And then when it's time to pay the piper, then you got to make some really hard decisions about roster building, because to your point, you're not going to be able to pay him and Tyree kill and all the other playmakers they have, Travis Kelsey, you know, go through the line. Again, I haven't looked at what the contract status or pending free agents are, but no, you're going to have to jettison certain players now. And can you continue to win? And the Patriots have been the only ones where they, up until recently, were not in cap purgatory trying to get back into the playoffs. But I... Yes, but the reason for that is twofold. Number one, Bill Belichick is the best coach in the league at finding cast-offs that he can slot into his Borg-like system. But number two, because Tom Brady's wife is worth $200 million, they never had to pay him market rate as their franchise QB, and they were able to keep uh, some room to sign people that they needed. But that's a rare situation. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I, I, don't, I just think it, you're, you're really hamstringing your – yourself hamstrung yourself for the future and i just don't understand that rationale and, and and maybe he's worth it i mean he's he's a very talented player but wow that's he did win a super bowl and his mvp okay i'll give you that well, the issue but, isn't oof. the money per se it's the longevity well, yeah. it's the duration of the contract it's, it's not lot. what they're paying him per season yeah that, we'll see uh Apparently, uh, Trump is threatening to remove students who don't attend class on campus. And there's an outrage over this because, well, darn it, I'm a student and I'm here on a visa. Your thoughts? Well, is this the bit about, uh, in particular, Chinese nationals? Uh, could, be any chi- could be any Chinese national. Could be an Ethiopian national. It doesn't matter. Uh I guess the the thought process is if you can do it online, why do you need a visa to be here? Right? I mean, that's. 
Yeah. Again, I, I would have to look explicitly at what this has he, has he promulgated this in something other than a tweet? Uh, not that I'm aware of. No. All right. So I would need it's to know more about the contours of what any proposed policy would be. My, my attitude about visas is the visas have uh, limits they have durations, they have reasons, limitations in terms of what you're here for, depending on what kind of visa. I don't like the idea of somehow saying, I'm going to now further revise this. Uh, if your visa allows you to be here, whether as a student, if you're on a student visa, I, I don't think it really makes sense to me to then say, but you know what, since you're not actually going to class, uh, we're, we're limiting that. If, if that's going to happen, it should certainly happen by an act of Congress to redefine how that's supposed to work and not by some executive order unless Trump can articulate some very coherent national safety issue. I don't think it's a national – I think it's a game of chicken with the colleges. I, I think this is his way of basically saying you want federal dollars, you want federal student loans, then you need to be open. You know, We're not going to give you – we're not going to let you have it both ways because I don't know if you saw Harvard – is going to require freshmen, incoming freshmen, to live on campus, and they're going to max out at 40% of their capacity for housing, but they're going to do online classes. Yes, and they're going to do online classes with no, not a cent reduction Correct. in tuition. That seems fair. So you're receiving <laughs> a vastly inferior product. Uh, uh, I've because, been told it's the same thing. I've been told it's the exact same thing. That's why we're able to right. do it. But it doesn't seem like it's the same thing or they would already be doing it, right? You're not going to get a college experience if you can't actually leave your dorm room. <laughs> that's not – I can do that from home. But requiring me to be here, that's even better. I'm not sure they're going to convince uh, the audience that it's exactly the same thing. I agree with you on that one. Uh, back to the Supreme Court. Maybe you saw this. This is on Monday. Uh, judges – or the. Electoral College, they can force pay, uh, Electoral College members to vote for the popular vote. Your thoughts on that? I haven't thought much about it. This is the whole faithless elector Correct. issue. Correct. Uh, and, of course, this was something that was promoted as a strategy to derail Trump where uh, they were trying to intimidate and harass uh, each state's, particularly swing state electoral college members to basically ignore their state's vote if it went for Trump and switch it because theoretically that was something that they felt was permissible. Right. And what the court has now said is if you do that and you violate your essentially your responsibility as an elector to cast your vote for that state's presidential victor, then the state can basically sanction you. Right. Now, here's here's my prediction. My prediction would be, because in this, in this, in a way, thwarts that, uh, you know, sort of attempt by the left to intimidate elect, to basically reverse the results of the election by just getting people who are perhaps ideologically aligned with them just to change their vote. Right. Here's my prediction. What do you think the work, what is the simple workaround for that? I'm not sure. You tell me. The simple workaround is for any of their Soros-funded groups to say, you know what? Any fine that you get, we'll, we'll happily pay it. So no worries. 
The state wants to fine you $10,000. We got deep pockets. That's not going to, in fact, you know what? We'll actually give you some extra money. Now that would actually probably be a bribe, but I think you could legally potentially say, that's okay. We'll, uh, we'll set up a crowdfund site for you and we'll, uh, we'll make sure that whatever is levied against you will be taken care of. I don't really know whether that would be legal. I'm not sure off the top of my head why it would be illegal. Uh, because you can choose as a private citizen to help anybody out, right? I would think so, so. If, in other words, if my neighbor is fined by a local government entity for some zoning issue, um, if I decided to help them foot the bill, what, what would preclude me from doing that? So I think the response will be, we still want you to switch your vote. And if you're facing a fine or a penalty from a state when you do this, we'll, uh, we'll make sure you're made whole. That's the tactic. Well, that's probably legitimately what you can expect. I, I don't know. I think it's. I think they're trying to weaken the electoral college in any way they possibly can, and it, the the ironic thing was the faithless electors didn't <laughs> didn't vote for Trump. <laughs> the ones that got charged in this voted for uh, somebody else. I don't even remember who it was now, but they didn't even vote for Trump. They just didn't vote for Hillary. Who cares? It didn't change the outcome at all. She still didn't win the one. Um, so I'm not sure if they thought people were going to, you know, fly over to Trump. I, I hardly think that was likely, but who knows? Uh, let's go back uh, about a week to uh, Donald Trump's speech at Mount Rushmore prior to the 4th of July holiday. Uh, I, I've read the commentary from both sides. Uh, the right liked it. The left thought it was dark and horrible, um, but I'm pretty sure it's because Donald Trump gave it. What were your thoughts? My thoughts are that the media is now to the point where they are so brazenly lying about everything that, and this has been the case for a while, that nothing they say about Trump can be believed even by 1%. What I mean by that is, I'm perfectly fine if you have issues, major issues with Trump. We've said this repeatedly. I would encourage anyone who read from the New York Times or the Washington Post or the AP that this was a dark and divisive and uh, you know horrible speech, right? Appealing to division, appealing to racism, because that is a flat-out objective lie. Now – you can say that he's a terrible messenger for that sort of thing because he himself is immoral and he has terrible character and he can't possibly unify the country. Okay. The speech itself, number one, one of the accusations was that he was talking about one, I think is this Tammy Duckworth character talking about how he spent the entire speech uh, talking about traitors, essentially meaning the Confederacy. There's not a single sentence in that speech that talks about the Confederacy, Confederate monuments, anything. She just completely made that up. In fact, most of the speech is spent extolling all of the the founders of the country, but not just the, you know, the problematic white slaveholding founders. He's talking about Muhammad Ali. He's talking about Martin Luther King. It was a speech that in general 
lauds the principles upon which the nation was founded, talks about the aspirational quality of the American experiment, was very positive. Oh, but what they didn't like and the reason they called it dark and dangerous and whatever else is because he properly told the truth about the ongoing rioting and looting and this project to tear down pretty much every aspect of this nation's history. And the media's portrayal of that speech was so over the top false and fabricated that again, we're in a place now where they are not even pretending, not even pretending to report. I'm not even going to say neutrally because that pretense was dropped a decade ago, but they are overtly engaged in propaganda. There, there is literally, I defy anyone to read the text of that speech and then read the way it's characterized in pretty much every mainstream media organ, organ except for dreaded Fox News and tell me that the people that wrote those are being honest in any shape or form with the public. They're not. They're they're engaged in a propaganda campaign. So I, our buddy, obviously, he went point by point, 11 points, but this is the one that sticks to me. He said, when it comes to American history, Trump is the one who has, quote, absolutely no clue. He doesn't even read the teleprompter in an inspiring way, and then he has the nerve to attack history teachers. How does somebody read the teleprompter in an inspiring way, and why is that a critique of anything that they said? Because Obama could read well. What does that mean? Does, does the message well, change? Well, again, you're, you're assuming that there is going to be some good faith impartial analysis of a speech that Trump is giving that that doesn't exist, particularly for our friend. And, and actually I had an exchange with him about this, which was oh. essentially why are you bothering to critique or, or pretend to critique specific aspects of a speech when for you and for many others, by definition, anything that comes out of Trump's mouth for them is unacceptable, intolerable, false, wicked, vile. So in other words, it doesn't, if you took that speech in a vacuum and presented it to somebody who's a never Trumper and had them simply review the rhetoric, most of them would say, even if you're on the left, okay, this is not a bad speech. There's things that could have been said. The minute that you tell them it's Donald Trump that gave the speech, it's everything right. about it becomes toxic. Yeah. So it is pointless to even have a conversation with people like that uh, in an effort to have a, for instance, I would think that someone who views themselves as an impartial student of history would be able to take that speech and provide all the caveats, which are, I detest Donald Trump. I think he's a, he's a, the worst possible messenger. But this speech actually had some good things, some good positive messages, right? That's what any good faith participant in rational discourse should be able to do, right? You point out yeah. the things that are okay. I mean, in other words, could you do that with Barack Obama? I could do that. I couldn't stand Barack Obama. I think he's one of the worst presidents our country has ever had. I think his policies, as we're seeing now, have led to some incredibly destructive things going on in our society. But I would be more than happy to, to read a speech or listen to a speech from Barack Obama and say, you know what? He made a good point there. Now, there's other parts of the speech that I strongly disagree with, right? That is what we call fair-minded 
even-handed, the ability to recognize not everything is wicked, not everything is evil, but we have gone far past that horizon with many people in evaluating Trump. So again, you can't rely on anything they say about his words because they really fundamentally don't care about his words. He is unacceptable and therefore it doesn't matter what he could read verbatim. Obama's speech that he gave, let's say, in Cairo, right? Pick his most lauded oratory. Donald Trump could read that speech verbatim, and the next day, the New York Times and the Washington Post would savage it as dark and dystopian and mouth-breathing. Pick your negative adjective. Again, it doesn't matter what the substance is. All must be rejected. I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, our friend had another point. He said another point in the speech, Trump threw thousands of history teachers under the bus when he said, our children are taught in school to hate their own country. The only people who would believe this are Fox News viewers or people who have never set foot in a real history classroom. Now, I take offense to that statement because I think, one, that statement doesn't say anything about history teachers. He was generalizing and internalizing what he heard to reflect him. But I do believe that on our college campuses, not every college campus and not every professor, but there are professors out there who are spewing hate about our country, to not be proud of anything we've ever done, to always, and I I heard Ben Shapiro say this. He said, our country has come from, you know, in the past, we're being judged by current standards with past behavior, which is not, not fair to those in that period of time because they exist in that time. But we, we can't throw out all the good that's been done, not saying everything that was done in the past was good and everything we did was positive, but everything wasn't negative. Everything wasn't negative. There were negative parts of it. There are bad parts to everybody's history, but we keep assuming that if we can't have all good, we don't have any. And I disagree with our friend here when he says that uh, this is something... Trump's talked about getting rid of history and they're trying to tear down and erase history. I believe that's what they are trying to do. And I'm not a Fox News watcher, and I've been in a real history classroom. I do believe that our cancel culture, our this current movement, is to get rid of anything that doesn't fit with the agenda they want. Somehow, like 1984, if we remove everything don't really have any basis to say I'm wrong because you have nothing to compare it to. So I'm right because you don't know any different. I believe that's what they're trying to do with the monuments. And, and I've talked about this before, and you know I've talked about this. I couldn't care less if there's a monument or not a monument. I think it should be legally taken down. If you want to take it down, okay, vote on it. Don't tear it down. Don't mob violence. But I don't care about the monument per se. I think when you remove... And somebody said this to me today. When you remove those monuments, good or bad, you don't get the opportunity to have the discussion around what they symbolize, whether it's Stone Mountain, Georgia, or Gettysburg's uh, you know, state things. Maybe they were put up in hate. Maybe they were put up by the KKK. But it, does, it gives you an opportunity to see a physical manifestation of saying something. This is what that meant, and this is the, the era in which it was put up. Therefore, there is a context to what you're seeing. And it doesn't mean that's what we believe today. It doesn't mean that's what we, you should believe going forward. But it was the belief of our country. Good or bad, it was the belief 
of people in this country at one point. And it may still be for others. I'm not saying that hate has gone away or racism has gone away. What do you think about that? My reaction to somebody who takes the position that there is not an increasing, accelerating, let's use their favorite word, systemic effort within large swaths of our public and private educational institutions to indoctrinate students with essentially left-wing, progressive, call it whatever you want, uh, a worldview that is fundamentally opposed to this country, that portrays this country and its founders as, as uniformly wicked imperialists, slavers. If you believe that that is not going on, now it's certainly not going on everywhere, but if you actually believe that that has not been a concerted and ongoing effort for the last four decades, I'm not really sure what to tell you other than please tell me what address of the other planet you've been residing on is. And if you're somebody who is actually in higher education and you're making that claim, then you really, really need to get out more. And you really need to take a look, and you don't have to go very far, at the curricula that are being presented to students in the guise of American history and sociology and pick your generic something studies course, okay? All you need to, here's the thing, all you need to do is look at the, um, when they do these polls, these studies of either political or ideological affiliation in higher education. And what do you see? The results are literally something, you know, in the humanities, it's something like 12 to one, 30 to one, 60 to one in terms of I, I identify as a, as a, as a leftist or I identify as a liberal, the slant in just the makeup of the faculties in these disciplines. Good grief. There's even, there's even a disparity in the hard sciences because this stuff is even penetrating incredibly into what you would think that, you know, the, the so-called STEM fields that's also being torn asunder by this nonsense. Now you want to get your hackles up and say, there's a lot of good teachers. Of course there are. Are there still a lot of teachers that are trying to present history and English and social studies in a balanced, neutral, nonpartisan way? Sure. But to pretend that this has not been an ongoing project that, by the way, is one of the main reasons we see what we've seen going on in our streets. And we see this idea that ideas that we don't like harm us and must be suppressed is because what has been happening in our schools for a very long time. And the idea that that is not happening is gaslighting. That's what that is. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you saw the ECLA or ELCA, sorry, Evangelical Lutheran Church in America uh, blamed uh, Israel for the George Floyd killing. They did what? They, the ELCA came out in a statement and said that 100 police officers in the state of Minnesota, 100 in the entire state, received a one-day training seminar in Chicago from the Israeli counterterrorism uh, task force. And he believes because Israeli soldiers use similar methods to subdue uh, Palestinians, uh. they are ultimately responsible 
for the death of George Floyd. It always doesn't it always come back to Israel. Well, they claim they're not anti-Semitic. They are they are a hundred percent behind Israel. Sure. But not really. Right. Just wanted to put that out. Right. Nasser Arafat was a hundred percent behind Israel. He just with a gun. You know, he would have been more behind them when they ceased to exist. Yes, that would have been his favorite time. Uh, in the in a great irony, Minnesota Governor Walls has asked Trump for disaster declaration after George Floyd. Wait, uh, wait, wait. Riots. No, no. That is not ironic because yeah. ironic means the opposite of what is to be expected. That is entirely Fair predictable. Fair enough. Uh, yeah. Predictably, the governor of Minnesota has asked for uh, federal disaster relief funds to pay for the rioting that they didn't yes, stop. I like that much better. <laughs> Uh, Also, the U.N. Human Rights Council, 53 countries back China's draconian Hong Kong crackdown. 53 countries at the U.N. are okay with what China is doing in Hong Kong. Last week, we said we would talk about Hong Kong. What do you have to say about that? Remind me, remind me, the members of the U.N. Human Rights uh, cartoon. Oh, yeah. Palpatine. um, (laughs) who, who, Who? I mean. Again, that organization is beyond parody. It was led it's by Cuba. Farce. That helps. Uh, issuing, you know, I also think, didn't they recently issue an edict of, you know, grave concern about the U.S. Yes. Uh, from George Floyd, yes. right, about, yes. about civil rights. Meanwhile, this is, this is uh, I don't think they're on presently, but have been longstanding members, countries like China, Right. Yes. We we have we have communist totalitarians who have a million Muslims in essentially prison slave labor concentration camps who willingly imprison political dissidents and murder people who are essentially a gangster government. And you had a multitude of them on the so-called Human Rights Council, but they're delivering edicts essentially about two countries, mostly Israel, and then also when it suits their purposes, the United States. Uh, The genocides that are going on in other countries around the world, we're not really much interested in. Yeah, so... Again, this was put out by Cuba. They they read the statement and yes. Said, Here, here's the part I love: the Chinese state media reported, not not what Cuba said, but they reported what Cuba said uh, that the law was beneficial for Hong Kong's prosperity and stability, and guarantees that Hong Kong residents can exercise their freedom in a safe environment. Right uh, on a ship back to the mainland, where you will never see your family again. That's the safe That's environment right. they're speaking of. Wow. <laughs> That's right. I think I think Joseph Stalin gave a similar statement of assurance to all the citizens of the Soviet Union that they could be, feel free to express their political views, no matter what they were, in a safe and secure environment. Wow. That just, wow. <laughs> it's almost like TASS is out now putting this out. You know, remember TASS, the news organization for Soviet Russia? Yes. Uh, they just basically said whatever they felt like saying. And, and when you would hear, I lo- used to watch, when I was a kid, we had four channels. So the evening news was always one of the channels. Didn't matter which one you picked. But they would always report something from TASS. And even as a kid, I knew it sounded insane and stupid. It, it couldn't possibly be true. You know, Russian man lifts uh, half the earth or something stupid. It was, it was always like, really? You just said something right. that is physically not possible. Yet you said it with a straight face, and we're supposed to believe you. And I'm thinking, I'm a kid, and I know that's not possible. 
what are you talking about? Yes, it's sort of like Russian diplomat who opposes the current government accidentally drinks polonium two twenty one, or whatever it is. You know, it's yeah. Shoots him, double taps himself in back of head <laughs> in, in clear suicide yes, attempt. Clearly, his family mourns his loss. He was a great man. Stuff like that. This is this is in that realm for me. It's like no, what? what are they? And they don't list the country, so I don't know who actually signed on to this. But apparently, there's fifty two other countries that. We shouldn't be yeah. doing business with. Uh, I want to end with this because I think this is super important, and I saved it for last because I I know how you feel about these types of questions. So I wanted to get your unbiased answer. Okay. Should Joey Chestnut be considered an elite athlete? Um, for those who don't know, Joey <laughs> Chestnut is the reigning. Um, Nathan's hot dog eating champion. I believe he broke his old record by one. He consumed yes. 75 hot dogs with bun oh. uh, in, isn't it 12 minutes? Is I that the time? 12 minutes, yes. 12 yes. minutes uh, of eating. That would be a negative. Yeah, that would be a negative. <laughs> on in, on any, any analysis, Joey Chestnut is not an athlete. Oh, I, I said he's an elite he's athlete. He's a nature. He, he's some sort of bizarro world talent uh, for ingesting massive quantities of food. Uh, I, I guess it's a skill, uh, but yes. uh, athletic, no. Well, I, I heard this interview from Kobayashi, who was, form, well, he was Joey Chestnut's rival, but I, I don't think he's done a whole lot recently. Uh, and he said he would have to train. He would have to physically train his body. He would have to uh, do exercises, stretching exercises to try to expand his stomach, expand his throat. Uh, obviously, if you're eating 75 hot dogs, you there's a gag reflex because, one, they're Nathan's hot dogs, so they're okay, and the bun gets soggy and disgusting, but right. you still have to eat it. Uh, I do not understand how anybody can call them athletes, but I have a very rigid standard for athletics. It actually has to be athletic. Uh, that's that's my standard. I know it's it's a tough one to f- swallow for some of these people, literally pun intended. I don't understand why anybody would even make that statement, but I did see that on USA Today because he swallowed seventy five hot dogs in twelve minutes. Uh, okay, and uh, the female winner, and I can't remember her name, had forty three, I think. I couldn't, uh, uh, couldn't do. Half I don't that. know. Um, and and apparently that there will then be some. Uh, wait till the trans, uh, the trans issue comes oh, to geez. the uh, world of competitive eating. And, and Joey Chestnut is dethroned by a, a trans man, right? Because that, I mean, why not? Trans- it, it, it's going everywhere else. I, well, or a trans woman. I don't, I don't know what's the correct nomenclature. I get, I get I'm not even be. sure. I don't even know so, if there is a, I'm being curious, a, a biological male who's competing as a woman, is that a trans woman or is that a trans man? Um, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think it's ironic. He had a mask. I, mean, I know the politically correct thing to say would be, is that no, why you bigot? It's just a woman. No, no, it's not. We're, we're not going to go down that road. Um, we can, we can respect these people. But, but the point that I'm making is that this has infiltrated actual sports all over the place. Why wouldn't it soon come to competitive eating? Well, so I just want to put it in perspective here. He's won this competition 12 times. Okay? 12 times. That's in league 
with Rafael Nadal winning the French Open 12 times. Right. Margaret Court winning the Australian Open 11 times. Bill Russell well, winning Margaret Court title really shouldn't times. count because the era that she was in, um, limited fields, all that good stuff. So okay. you're right. He's up there in the pantheon with Nadal. <laughs> Bill Russell, 11 NBA championships. Again, smaller NBA. They're still dominant. Uh, Yogi Berra, 10 Major League Baseball titles. I mean, if you, if you just go to the tail of the tape, he's won 12 times. So it's, um, <laughs> it's an ama- amazing achievement. <laughs> Something to be very proud of. And, and again, this is CBS Sports calling about greatest of all time, 13 hot dog titles. Jordan and Brady combined only have 12 titles. You're right. So <laughs> is there is there a competitive eating hall of fame? And where is it located? Uh, I'm going to guess it's uh, my grandma's kitchen. I don't know where it is. I don't even know if it exists. You know what? Somebody will probably put one up tomorrow after we're done. They'll say, yes, it's in such and such a place. I'm going to get our crack staff on that. If you know where that is, crack staff, please let us know if there is such a place. Uh, My fear is, you know what's going to happen, Chad? What's that? Is that Joey Chestnut is going to be revealed as the competitive eating version of Lance Armstrong. Uh, And we're going to find out that he has been using some sort of uh, cutting edge technology to expand his stomach lining. And he's, he's essentially a, a sociopath like Lance Armstrong, except his chosen in field is eating various food items. I think that's, that scandal is coming soon. I would agree with you. Probably they put up plexiglass shields. I don't know if you saw the, any of the highlights, but they, they cleaned the, cleaned the surfaces, put up plexiglass shields because obviously there's going to be a lot of saliva spewed. See, you know what else I have? A, here's one of the reasons that I, um, I don't like that competition. It's because I think they should have to eat the hot dogs with it in the bun. Okay. Oh. That's the way a normal person eats a hot dog or a hamburger, right? Cause you've seen them do this, right? Yeah. They, they immediately take the buns and they dip them in water. So they become basically mush and then they eat them. I think that the competition should reflect the way a normal person has to eat a hot dog or a hamburger or, you know, whatever, an entire cow. And they, so first of all, it would cut down on the ridiculous 75. Maybe they would only eat 30, but it would be more impressive to me if they were eating them like a normal human being and not some kind of trash compactor. Well, I think if they had to put condiments on them, like a normal human being other than you, uh, that would slow it down considerably as well. Well, you, could, you know what? You could break that down into divisions. You could have the condiment division. <laughs> you could have the all-natural division, right? It's sort of like steroids and weightlifting. Yeah. Well, what, what's, uh, what do you and think then the guys need? that were doing, although they were, it would be true the reverse, because the all-natural division, you should be able to eat more. Well, if you took away the buns completely, and it was just the hot dogs. I mean, you called the hot dog eating contest. But- no, but that's not the way anyone normally eats a hot dog. Does anybody normally eat a hot dog, 75 hot dogs in 12 minutes? I mean, but, not something but my point is, is that they're not actually eating them the way any other human being in the world consumes a hot dog. Okay. Do you think, I don't know if Joey Chestnut does this. I'm not suggesting he does. Do you think they purge afterwards? I, you know what? That's uh, far too much information. I would not <laughs> want to know how I mean, the sausage is digested. I, I think they don't, but I have no idea. It just seems like I would want to after 75 hot dogs and buns in my stomach. I don't care how much mush they are. I, I mean, maybe they literally go get their stomachs pumped. Oh. I don't I don't know. Uh, who knows? Who knows? That's all I had tonight, Tony. I know we've 
rapid fire around a bunch of things and got your take on this. Do you have anything to add that you'd like to? The only thing that I have to add is because um, we can't really hear any reverb, but if there's another problem with my audio, it is entirely Chad's fault (laughs) and you should, you should send all of your hate mail to him. Yes. And Uh, I will redirect it right back to uh, straightforward transmitter, Tony. Yes, uh, that's right. That. That's my that's my name for this evening. Yes. So again, if you have any issues, uh, contact Tony directly. He will get our crack staff on it, and uh, we will try to figure out what the problem is or isn't. So uh, thank you for joining us. I'm Chad. I'm Tony. Good night. This has been a Hannah Tree production.